0: You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Hallelujah. I would like you to turn your Bibles, if you have them with you, to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. My name is Ed Trout, I'm a husband of one wife, I have three children and nine grandkids and one more on the way. I love grandkids. Uh, I used to love them a whole lot more until I became the ATM. (laughs) But grandkids are a blessing. I I come from South Africa. I was born and raised in a city called Cape Town. But I've lived the last 23 years in San Antonio, where it snows. (laughs) And we have no water or electricity, but it snows. Anyway, (laughs) went there so I would avoid all that and look what happened, all right, but uh, I live here and I was a pastor, I was very young when I got saved, I'm from a Jewish family, my mother exiled the holocaust uh, as a young lady, she left the second world war uh, with her parents and got in a refugee ship that brought them to Africa. And that's where I was born and I got born again when I was 13. It was the most amazing experience of my life. I got saved five Sundays in a row. It was so nostalgic for me. I kept on doing it. I just kept, it was just amazing. They preached the hell out of me anyway. It was quite something. And then I was a pastor for some years. Our Lord used me as a young kid, even as in school. We had all kinds of uh, prayer meetings and things happen throughout the school life. And I baptized my own headmaster in years later. But I, when I was a young man, I was into Bible school and I, went to, I became a pastor. And from that, God called me to the prophetic ministry. I tried to explain to him he had the wrong person. I'm too comical by nature. I'm very humorous. I'm Jewish, wit. they call it. And then, of course, uh, I knew that prophets were always in trouble. That's all I knew about them. When God called me in the early, early 80s, I told them that I didn't know what that was, except that they were always in trouble. And uh, I explained that I had a wife and children. And a long story short, I ignored the call for three months. And my wife and one of my children was in a vehicle on the way to church one Monday morning to clear up the church and clean up and do our little duties, a Monday morning thing. And uh, the, tr- the vehicle we in uh, got stuck on a railway track. And a train came and hit us. We'd left the vehicle, because we just tried everything we can to get it moved or going, and it didn't happen. And this voice was telling me, because I'd, my plea to God was I can't become a prophet or live by faith or start something so crazy, new ministry, because uh, I've got a wife and children. I've got responsibility. And so when this happened, the Lord said to me, you're so responsible, you almost killed him. Do what I tell you. And so he called me not to be a prophet, but to raise up prophets. So I have focused with every intensity of my being into being from the pastoral, into the prophetic, learning all I can. Because I form my Christianity on my relationship with Jesus, not with Peter, not with Paul, not with John, with Jesus. I follow him because I have a daily relationship with him and the word of God. I cannot form rules or ideas or theories that are not in the Bible. The Bible has been established as God's Word. It has been tried to be disproved hundreds and thousands of times all over the world, and still it's the number one bestseller in the the world, and truth. Nobody could ever disprove the Bible. Many set out to call it false and end up becoming converted to Christianity. So the Bible's my platform, and you should have said amen. It was a golden opportunity to to agree with me about the Bible. (laughs) Nevertheless... The prophetic ministry, what I was called to do was train. I have a gift from God to evaluate people like that, where they are in their ministry and help push them in the right direction. I love the Lord more than life itself. There's no one on this planet that I love more than the Lord. So I'm driven by my love for God, and every decision I make is what is the best for the kingdom. How will his kingdom advance? How will he be glorified? Everything I do, that's that's how I make my decisions. And so I want to address a situation because I just want you to bring you peace and understanding. My people perished for lack of knowledge, the scripture says. And I want to teach you, we just came through a difficult, challenging situation, which was our election and then prophets that sounded a trumpet saying that Trump would be president. And so I want to address that and give you biblical understanding and because they were not false prophets, neither were they led by a lying spirit. I just want to show you how it all comes about. And the New Testament prophet is nothing like the Old Testament prophet. Jesus said, and I didn't write this, he wrote it Him, he spoke it himself in Matthew 11. He said, the law and the prophets spoke until John. That's what Jesus said, the law... And the prophets spoke until John. John the Baptist was the last of that era of prophets that were exclusively God's voice to his people. Now, when Jesus came, he became the representation of God on earth in flesh. And he said, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit came and became the voice today. The prophets are not God's voice. The Holy Spirit is. That's not my opinion. It's in the Bible. I'm telling you only what the Bible says. Now, the fivefold ministry, prophet, apostle, teacher, past, evangelist, all have the same function to equip saints for work of service. And there's a reason for it that we are all for work until we all attain to the unity and the full measure of Christ. There's a purpose and a target for the fivefold ministry. They all have the same purpose, different strategies and Giftings that, that apply to them. Stay with me now. All right. Now, are you ready? In the book of Matthew, chapter sixteen. da Deutsch reden können? There bist du? No, thank you. That's close. You're telling me goodbye. Matthew sixteen. Jesus was traveling in the northern part of Galilee. I don't know how much of Israel you know, but the, the Jordan flows from the mountains into the every, – every spring it melts the snow and goes into the Jordan, the, down into Galilee. Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level, and then from there it flows down the Jordan down into the Dead Sea, which is 1,300 feet below sea level. And so the climate's very different there, but Jesus spent a lot of his time, most of his time around Galilee, but he now, in a certain time, he went very north to all the little villages called Caesarea Philippi. And there on the border is a mountain range where the the Philistines, that were known as the Canaanites, where they had their their place. And from there, they, they had a water supply, and they had a polis they served and they thought the water was from polis so they would sacrifice babies and let their blood flow into that water until it was pure and and that's why the Israelites disliked the Canaanites the most because they were so cruel and this place was called the gates of hell. You can go there today you'll see all the historical monuments and you can feel the atmosphere is very oppressive there. Now he was in that vicinity And he asks Peter, I'm giving the, I want to watch my time, uh, give you a very condensed version. He asked Peter, who do people say that I am? And he's evaluating whether he's having any impact with his teachings. And so they offer the information. Some say that you're the Messiah, some say you're a prophet, various things. Who do you say that I am? And he said, Simon says, you are the son of God of God. Now for the Goya, the Gentiles in this room, I must explain to you that Jews pray from this high. The first prayer out of their mouth is Shama Israel. Here, are Israel, the Lord your God is one God. And you shall have no other gods. It's very important for a Jew to know to serve God. God is offended at people that offended at Israel whenever they have another God. More than any other mistake they might make, it offends the Lord. So they would recite that. Now, this God had a son, and his name is Jesus, and he comes from Nazareth, and you can see him. It is mind-boggling for them, and it's just not easy for them to, to accept. And that's why they wanted to stone him so often. But Peter says, and he asked, Peter says, you're the son of God. So Jesus says in verse 17, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. It was revealed to him by the father in heaven, which is what we call revelation. When you're getting revelation, you're being revealed something supernatural, much like prophecy, exactly what it is, revelation. He's getting revelation from God that that Jesus is the Son of God. He didn't work it out. He didn't just come up with the idea. Something happened on the inside, so he was getting revelation. And the Lord's so excited about that. He says, I tell you that you are Peter. You're the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades of hell will not overcome it. Because now he's in the northern part. He's summing up and evaluating his ministry. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned them not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Are you still with me? From that time what time? That time when they acknowledged, Peter acknowledged he was the son of God, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. So this is the first time he was telling them, because they obviously he wants to see how far along they come with grasping the kingdom and his purpose. So he explains, I must suffer my destiny my journey includes much persecution and suffering and even death and so Peter took him aside now why would he take him aside because he's about to tell him something he's about to not publicly just emotionally react and began to rebuke him never Lord he said this shall never happen to you so he just was one moment flowing in the Holy Ghost being full of revelation and now he thinks he's in revelation still or again he says this will never happen to you and Jesus says to him in verse 23 get behind me Satan now Peter did not become Satan so when Jesus mentioned Satan he was talking to the devil he there's a much language in our Gospels when Jesus is actually referring to the devil Many times he recognizes the war. He had a 40-day fight with the devil. And so the Bible says the devil left him for a more opportune time. This is an opportune time because Jesus did not want to die. How do I know? Because the Bible says so. In the garden of Gethsemane, he sweat drops of blood, asking the Father if it's possible that this cup would pass for him. So he didn't want to die, and the devil very subtly, not having succeeded in other attacks on him, not with temptation, not with all the scriptures, he could not succeed, he subtly tried to elude him and plant a seed, using a spiritual person who has enough insight to recognize the Son of God, but not enough insight to sow a seed, he uses this weaker vessel, this earthen vessel, to put a thought in him, you don't have to die, because it can't be wrong because he's just heard God that you're the Son of God. Stay with me now. I'm telling you what the, the Bible, I'm just showing you what's in the scripture. And then he says, "You are a stumbling block to me. He's not talking to the devil, now he's talking to Peter. You're a stumbling block. Why is that? Because you're not helping the cause and the plan. You're not helping my destiny. And he says to him, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. But the things of men. But the things of men. Now, we are the church. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Not one of you happened to come to this church. Not one of you just happened to become a Christian, the Lord picked you. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So you with all your messed up, all your struggles, and the devil's so sneaky, he likes to put guilt on you because you have weaknesses. And God is not stressed by weakness. He's stressed by wickedness, which is the attitude of heart, unforgiveness, rebellion, anti-God. That's wickedness of heart. Judas was wicked. Peter was weak. Peter denied the Lord even after being warned. He was weak. And you've, you struggle and you feel like you're not a good Christian because you have weaknesses. And the devil plagues you with guilt and shame because you're not, you're not enlightened in the word. You, don't, you haven't grasped that there's no condemnation to, to those in Christ Jesus. So when you struggle in your flesh, all you have to do is confess He's quick enough to forgive you. The Bible says if we confess, he's just enough to forgive us. I'm teaching you scripture. Stay with me. Don't fall asleep. Don't leave me. Stay with me, please. Right? I'm going going somewhere, and I lay layers, so you must stay with me to get each layer as we go along. Now, you understand that the devil will impound, and when he comes subtly, and you are educated and spiritual already, he'll use something so subtle that you don't recognize it. He'll use a Christian and scripture to tell you to do something that's not Godly, to get you off on a tangent, off your mark. There are many men and women of God that ended badly, did great exploits for the Lord, and didn't. Moses was a major man of God, wrote first five books of our Bible. He ended badly. He was supposed to go into the into the Promised Land. He did not. Are you hearing me? Solomon, the wisest man recorded in history. He still, after a thousand wives and concubines, dies in front of a false god worship with another woman. Ended badly. Samson wasn't meant to die under rubble and blind. It wasn't supposed to end like that. Many ministries end badly, even today. I don't want you to end badly. I don't want you to succumb to the subtlety of the devil. And the only way for you to prevent that is to be plugged into a local church where you could protect it and read your Bible. Know what the Word of God says. It's the final authority. When the devil tried to tempt Jesus, he quoted scripture. He knew what the Word of God said. He understood the Bible. Res, are you with me? Stay with me now. So he says, you're a stumbling block to me. You don't have the concerns of God at heart. Now, understand that <laughs> we've just come through an election. There's no question that many Christians were prophesying, and it made me tremble. Not because of they would be wrong. Uh, I want to be honest with you. It's, it doesn't matter who's right and wrong. This is the gospel truth. Before President Trump became president, not only did I, I prophesy he'd be president, I prophesied he'd only serve one term. There were three things the Lord told me before it all happened, and I did tell several pastors throughout the country, in my, including my own pastor in San Antonio, and he, he doesn't receive it. It's not, I'm wrong. So he, the three things he told me, he'd be president, You serve one term. He'd only serve one term. And third thing, he'd become, go in history books as the best president of the last hundred years. That's gonna it's gonna go in our history books as that. You're gonna it's not yet, but it will. Because he did more for our nation than anybody. There's an excitement in the air. Yeah. And so none of this is my personal idea. I'm only relaying what I heard from the Lord. When they began to prophesy, he'd have a second term. And my friends could see you in the wrong. They're all in agreement. I was very tense because what was being said publicly, I'm visualizing as someone who loves the Lord and his kingdom, how people that are not Christians are hearing this constant being pumped and sent out. It wasn't presenting an image of God or a humble spirit at all. It was more like a fight, an aggressive fight. And then, when he didn't make it, now they're still saying they're not right. And there's still a group that are saying he's still going to be president. There's going to be a turnover this year. And all these things, and a constant confusion is caused. It's not lifting up the name of the Lord. Now, it's not the concerns of God, it's the concerns of the world. They are driven by their own hearts. And they're not evil. They're sincere. There's nothing wrong with their hearts. They really want to do what's right, and I understand it. I, too, would love to have the President Trump. There's nobody like him for me. Honestly, he's a great president, got morals, he gets things done. There's no one like him for me, not one president. So that's how I feel. but I know the works of God, and I knew who would be president after. there'd be a weak, flippy, floppy prayer. I knew all those things. I, know, I have ideas. I already know things that are moving along, where to'll go to. I know what's going to happen in the next years. with the Lord has opened up my understanding. But he told me, "Don't you go public with the stuff that's not the work of a prophet. A New Testament prophet has to build the church and further the kingdom and being politically involved prophetically or trying to prophesy to storms and tell them it's God's judgment like Katrina, what a lot of nonsense, because it's not even biblical. You can't prophesy nonsense like that and try and bring attention to yourself. If you prophesy, Jesus said in John 16, he will bring glory to me by telling the things yet to come. He'll bring glory to me, not attention to you got very quiet in this place. The, a New Testament prophet is biblical and it's godly, but it has to line up with the Word of God. Do you understand? If you run after any prophets, and I will guarantee that a lot of those prophets are not even in local church even. The local church, Jesus said, I will build my church. So why, isn't, why aren't they in that local church? That's what I want to know, because they can't be healthy. I've learned in my journey with the Lord in the last 50 years of serving God that if you want to be a healthy Christian, you've got to be committed to a local church. You may be a Christian if you don't go to church, but you will become anemic. You'll start start leaking bad stuff will come out of you. You come to church, it it will promote health and protection in God's way. It is not my opinion, it's Bible, where the two or three gather in my name, more than internet. <laughs> because I tell you the truth, the devil thought he could break the church with COVID. And there's been far too, the biggest thing with COVID is the fear. Are you hearing me? And the news reports, I'd rather believe the report of the Lord before I leave the report of man. <laughs> You guys are looking at me like, I don't know if I like this guy. <laughs> I understand. I'm going to tell you the truth because I want you to know the truth. The Lord stopped me in March, November and said to me, how come you guys are not praying for the for COVID? How come you're praying for the election? Kings will come and go, but I'll still, be, I'll still be the boss. I'll still be the leader. Why aren't you praying for COVID? That's your job. Because you're supposed to. What you bind on earth, we're bound in, You're supposed to come against this wicked spirit. And we, as a church as a body of Christ, but now we form this cultish idea we must fight for elections. God's in control. Even the king's heart is in the hand of God, the scripture says. Jesus was confronted by Pilate, the governor. He said, speak up. Don't you know the power of life and death of you? He said to Pilate, you have nothing except the father give it to you. So even someone unsaved like the Pilate, the governor, hasn't got power unless God permits it. Now, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, not the Muslims, not the Buddhists. I'm never going to apologize for that. There's only one way to heaven, there's only one true God, and we are not, we are not a free for all, free religious country. We were a Christian country from the very beginning. Look at your money. It doesn't say in Allah we trust. We hope for Hare Krishna to watch over us. It's the law. Don't let the devil lie to you. We. This is why this nation has been blessed the way it has. And I'm not teaching the same thing in the next session. I would love you to be there because it's something also very important, especially where God's heading, heading the church now in this nation. I don't want you to miss it. Please. Now stay with me. So the New Testament prophet is there to, to uplift, encourage, not do politics. You're not supposed to focus on that, you're supposed to focus unless the Holy Ghost is telling you you focus only on the purpose of God in his church. Find the purpose of God and get the things of God at heart and pray his purpose. Jesus sweat drops of blood in the garden. He did not want to die. I did, not, I did not want Trump not to be elected again, but I pray rather your will, God, than mine. There are things that are in effect. Mother of, of Jesus, Mary, she was not a fun thing when she's told she's going to have a baby. where she knows what's going to happen, the repercussions are all going to, begin to think, suspect her and think bad things of her. But she said, let it be to me according to your will. It wasn't something she desired, wanted. She was yielded to the Lord. The church needs to do the things of God. And the only way to do that is to find out what God wants, to look for God's will and God's purpose. And he's got a purpose for the church. So when the prophets get up and they prophesy to the nation, that's what bothers me. It's not the job of a New Testament prophet to have words. Let me illustrate this to you. In the book of Acts, chapter 12, there's a group of prophets that travel from Jerusalem to Antioch. And among them is a man called Agabus. They're all prophets together, and Agabus predicts a severe famine in the Roman Empire. All the Roman countries, the whole area, he doesn't say it's because God's judging the Romans for their, for their cruelness. No, he prophesies there's going to be a famine, and they decide to send food and supplies to the Christians in Jerusalem to help them through the famine. So they predicted that, but it's the only record on them predicting those things. Now, in the political era and time, there was no more pressure than in the time of Jesus. You had Herod, who was, a, as Jesus called him, a jackal. He was so cunning, and he wasn't, he wasn't even in Jerusalem. He was evil, doing evil things. They were paying tax to them. They were paying their tithe, and they were paying another tax to a Roman empire they didn't want. And so they, they frustrated, and they asked Jesus, you so spiritual, you so insightful. Should we be paying taxes to Caesar? Let me see the coin. Uh, whose face is that? It's Caesar's. Well, give to Caesar what it is. If you want your coat, give him your cloak also. That's the kingdom. That's the nature of God. We're not there to fight battles that are God's. We're to obey him and do what he wants us to do. Our mandate is to preach the gospel, to bring the word of God to people on a consistent basis. If I ask you, those same people that are warring and fighting for the election, when last have you led someone to Jesus? I don't want to be startled when they say, I don't remember at all. I don't want to be startled if I ask them, when has to be told someone about the Lord? Because that's our mandate. Our mandate is to be not only to win the lost, but to make disciples of them. To set an example and show them how to live a Christian kingdom life. Which is loving each other. And that's tough. Being kind, doing good for people. We've lost sight of that and got off. Now COVID is killing people. And damaging countries and economy with the church. We should be focused on that. You got quiet now in this place. That's what we should be focused on, and we should chase that demon because there's no authority here. No matter who caused it, whether it's a conspiracy, I don't care. He slays no right. We have all authority. When we pray, we have authority. What he said, when two or three agree as touching anything, we don't even have to pray for COVID to go, we must command it to go. We have that authority. So we got distracted by stuff that was never the plan of God. Are you understanding me? You may be frustrated, but all I ask: don't judge me and get mad at me right away. Go home and think about it. Go home and ask the Lord about it. At least, as a Christian, ask the Lord. If I'm telling you the truth, then do that. At least do that, because I'm only going to tell you the truth. Don't lift up any prophet or any fivefold ministry above the Lord, ever. You must follow the Lord Jesus. You regard your pastor. pastor. When you see your pastor in the church, you honor God in them. But to be led by some prophet and some prophecy, prophecy must strengthen and encourage you. That's the main thrust of it. It says in Acts 15, verse 32, that Silas was one of the fellows that traveled with Paul. We had first had Barnabas, then we had Silas. And he, the Bible said that Silas and Judas, not the same Judas that died, another Judas, themselves being prophets were able to encourage the brethren with many words doesn't give direction or correction or judgments, none of that. In politics, they prophesy to the church to encourage, to strengthen, because we're in a fight. Our job is to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, to be the voice to the world through our behavior and through our actions. Because that's how they get drawn to Christ. When they see our good works, they give glory to the Father in heaven. When they see our love one to another, they'll, they'll know that we're his disciples. That's how we know. Not by our prophesying and fighting politically. That's not the gospel. The gospel is lifting up the Lord Jesus, living his life. He said he put down different platforms in his gospel. He came with, he said, I don't take away the law. I fulfill it. Your law says if you kill your brother, you will be judged. I say even angry with him, you will be judged. The law says that if you commit adultery, you shall be stoned. I say even look at the woman with a a lustful eye, you'll be. And the reason why he did it is to show you how much we need him. Because none of us can stand in our own strength. Do you understand? So we the salt of the earth, not to get distracted. The devil's so sneaky to get us off on a tangent. Get focused back on the Lord Jesus. Get focused back on your love for God and your love for your family and the church and, and get, be a witness. This week, we make a point of telling someone that God loves them. You don't have to be a super spiritual person or, or a good Christian because there aren't any. If we were good, we wouldn't have needed a savior. We need the Lord Jesus. Are you hearing me? Now, there's so much more I could tell you about it. And I'm just briefly touched that topic. I have it online. If you go, if you visit us, propheticlife.com, you can go and check on the. This, uh, the whole teaching on this in more depth, and uh, this uh, just to educate the church what the Bible says. It's not my opinion. It's The Word of God. And I'm not condemning those guys. They they were sincere in their heart, doing the very best they can, but they weren't following the, the, the Spirit of God. They didn't ask God what he wanted to do. Those that repented, that's exactly what they say. I got distracted. I wasn't on course. I do hear God, but I wasn't really listening. Are you hearing me? All right. Now, there are prophets in this room. Some of the best prophets are the ones that hardly ever prophesy. They always let someone else want to do it. Because, but they have a sense of heart of integrity and they have a gift and they keep it to themselves. And my job is to stir you up, my job is to get you flowing because of a word in seasons like medicine. Everybody, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31, for you could all prophesy one by one. That's what it says there. are of shock. It's all in the word of God. You must come to a seminar and teach them what prophecy really is and how to prophesy. It's not hard. It's easy to prophesy. And You must have an understanding on how to respond to prophecy. It's a way you respond to the prophetic. You You don't let prophecy lead you. You're never led by prophecy. You're led by the Holy Ghost who uses the word of God established the church Yes? And your relationship with the world, these are the factors God uses. Prophecy can be used, but if you run after prophecy, you will be misled. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to RenewLifeChurch.com.